Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Uh, Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minow, and joining me today, Mr. Solo himself, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Solo. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, And that's it. Uh, We don't, uh, we're we're down a couple uh, people. Uh, Of course, no Liz Malone uh, that we'll talk about in a second and no Steve Barkley, uh, which, you know, why we didn't have any banter banter in there. Uh, So just just me and Ryan, you're gonna have to put up with us. That's it. That's not so bad. It isn't. But I so I got to I got to laugh why Liz isn't here. (laughs) because <laughs> she's sick again like i don't i don't know if she's just going out too much or maybe something's screwy with her immune system after her she had to switch her diet over well so, she said maybe she, she's not eating enough of something because that, that's like a third time she's been sick yeah well a couple of weeks ago she was out because of covid yeah but then a week ago she said she was going to tahoe so i bet you she got sick in tahoe again I, i'm undoubtedly yeah you can't go to tahoe and not get sick <laughs> Like, she's just out too much. I don't know. We may have to rethink this whole co-host thing because she's been out a lot. Or, you know, maybe she's just maybe she's just sitting at home listening right now and just laughing, watching the hockey game or something. That might be. Yeah. We know such a, she's such a hockey fan. Yeah, she is. I mean, she priority. lives in South Carolina, and she makes all of us Canadian guys like look like we're amateurs in terms of hockey. Well... We wish her a speedy recovery. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Especially, yeah, we do. <laughs> I was going to forget it. I, I almost said something, but then I was like, oh, no, wait, she listens to everybody. So, so I'm just going to play it smart and uh, not say anything. So anyways, that is, that's this episode. Um, just me and Ryan. Uh, but speaking of the show, hey, Ryan. Yeah, Rob. Why don't uh, we get right to it, and why don't you tell the fine folks at home just what we're doing today. Our guest today is the host of the Ambiguously Blind podcast, John Grimes. Welcome, John. Hey, guys, you got it. It's a big word. It's a tough <laughs> word. How dare you? I understand. <laughs> I have to type it all the time, and I'm like, you know, thank goodness for spell check. Oh, man, I would hate that. I would hate to actually have to spell that out. That's yep. true. Yeah, I would screw that up constantly. So can I just ask for something off the top here, guys? Uh, sure. Just maybe a favor. So I don't know if you can comply or help me, but I've got a fever, actually. Oh, I know, what and, I know um, what's coming. The only thing that can cure my fever <laughs> is no. more cowbell. Well, I think we can accommodate that. Yeah, we better. Boom. Boom. We better. Yeah, exactly. Oh, bonus, double cowbell. Triple bonus, cowbell now. That's bonus, great. Bonus cowbell. Oh, okay, my goodness. Ryan. We are <laughs> all just enrolled yeah. now. That's One it. hour like, of cowbell. That's exactly. Like, honestly, the day, the week that we don't get a guest, that's what we're just going to do. We're just going to record <laughs> Ryan hitting the cowbell for 45 minutes. That would and be lose, a And immediately shift. lose all our audience. That might, that might be an ender, so just be careful with that. <laughs> Well, listen, John, we are really thrilled to have you on there. I have to say I I love the podcast um, since we discovered you. um, And I have been anxious to to get on, get you on and talk about the podcast, talk about yourself. 
and just sort of get a sense of how this all came together. So why don't we start there? Maybe if you can just give the audience just a little bit of background information on yourself, your vision condition, and, uh, and then we'll start, uh, we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the podcast. Yeah, so John Grimes, I am the host and proprietor, editor, chief cook and bottle washer and everything that the Ambiguously Blind podcast has to offer. I appreciate you guys uh, listening. It's always nice to hear that somebody else listens besides me and uh, whomever I'm talking to at the time. Uh, my visual situation. Uh, well, I call myself ambiguously blind, which is where I got the name for the podcast. I have uh, zero vision in my right eye and about 2300 vision in my left eye. And I know we've got some international people on this call. I don't know what 20 that's feet guys. So I can't do the conversion for you, but it's just enough to be dangerous really, um, site wise. So it's, um, it's ambiguous, which just kind of means unclear or uncertain, unknown. Um, I can have interactions with people quite often in person and they wouldn't know that I have a visual impairment. I don't use a uh, cane or a guide dog or anything like that. So um, I, I ride a bicycle by myself um, with people and with my kids and stuff. So I can just see enough to be dangerous, which is why I call myself ambiguously blind. So that's kind of about the podcast. Um, I don't know. You might be interested in the story for my site change. Absolutely. Which is that's kind of that's kind of a big story there. And, and actually one I'm working on, um, it happened. It was the uh, sophomore semester in college in uh, 1998. I was at Texas Tech University way out in West Texas, if there's any Red Raiders out there. You know, I was uh, 19, so I was like 10 feet tall and bulletproof, you know, like a lot of 19-year-old <laughs> people are, you know. Um, I was in a fraternity. Life seemed to be following a, you know, ordered path until it wasn't. One day, actually on February the 13th of that year, I woke up in the hospital. Uh, miraculously, about eight days prior, my fraternity brother found me unconscious on the floor in my bedroom. Um, now, of course, I'm not the only guy that's got a story with uh, in college where fraternity <laughs> brother found somebody on the ground, right? But uh, un unfortunately, it wasn't the night of a wild uh, college party that that caused that. It was a nasty bout with meningococcal disease, which is more commonly referred to as meningitis. Um, it was a gift that I woke up. My my parents were holding vigil at my bedside. They had been told that I likely would not. Um, and I, I did wake up eventually after the after about eight days. And as I kind of swam back to an uneasy consciousness, it was pretty clear that waking up from the coma was the least of uh, least of the challenges in front of me. Because the first thing I saw was darkness. Um, I, of course, had gone to bed eight days prior, you know, normal. Uh, my normal self, my 10 feet tall and bulletproof self. And here I am in the hospital bed and the darkness is disorienting because I'm not expecting it at all. It's out of the blue. Um, I can hear there's doctors and nurses and people coming and going. Um, I can hear my parents. I can hear beeping and pulsing machines, but I can't see. Uh, there's a tube in my nose. I've lost control of most of my muscles. Um, talking is out of the question. Um, I can't smile. Not that I had cause to smile. Um, I was um, exhausted, 
I was irritated. I was confused. I didn't, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was going on. Didn't know how long I'd been there or how long I was going to be there. Um, eventually the darkness kind of dissipated because of all this atrophy that had occurred in my body over the eight day time period where I was uh, sleeping. Um, not, most of my muscles weren't working correctly. I mean, and when I, I mean, most, I mean like almost all of them, my, my body was just in a wreck. And as it turns out, my eyelid, my right eyelid, um, was functioning properly, but I had no sight in my right eye and my left eyelid would not open. It was stuck in the shut position. So I thought my eyes were open and it was just darkness. And it wasn't until I got with some therapists and things. I don't have an exact time frame for when this happens because it's pretty foggy. It's not like coming out of a coma. You snap your finger and everything is, is normal again. But probably over the course of about 24 hours, I kind of realized what was going on. And this is when uh, John 2.0 begins. So my wow. question, and I don't know anything about meningitis, but is it normal to just come on suddenly like that? Yeah, I can tell you all about meningitis. In fact, I'm sure. This, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so meningitis is a wicked and fast-acting disease. I had never heard of it myself, and in 1998, in the U.S. anyway, there were no there were no vaccines for them. Uh, there are five types of meningitis. They call them serogroups, and um, they're letters A, C, W, Y, and then B. And I believe I had the gr group B infection, although there's, I, I can't tell you that with any certainty. But it starts with a – the way it started for me was um, I, it was a Saturday when I went to the hospital in, a, in an ambulance – um, it was Friday where I felt really bad. I woke up Friday morning and the, the thing that looking back on it, that's different. I felt like I had the flu. Mm, um, that's nice. the most commonly what it is. Um, but as I look back on it, it was like no flu that I had, you know, I've never had the flu like that. Right. And, um, the thing that's different for me was my head was, I like, I got up, I was in bed and I got up and had the feeling that I had the, you know, uh, get sick. And I, I just instinctively got out of bed. This is probably like at 3 a.m. and was headed to the bathroom, but like my feet hit the floor and they were like wet noodles. I mean, it was like my, then I'm face down on the floor instantly. And um, that, all that stuff happened. So I, it was like almost like vertigo. My head was spinning wow. really couldn't, wow. it was really bizarre. And I was, I did that for maybe like, I don't know, it some, seemed like a week, but it was probably, 10 or 15 minutes. And then, um, I still couldn't walk. I, uh, crawled back into bed and that's, that's when I woke up in the hospital is pretty much the difference there. So there are lots of things happened, of course, over those sure. eight days, but it's hard to tell the most common sign besides flu like symptoms is you'll get a purple, you'll see a purple rash on somewhere on somebody's body. Usually that will be on the extremities. So your legs, your arms, your feet, your hands. And once you start seeing this purple rash, that, that is a bad sign because um, the meningitis is an infection of the meninges, which is a lining of the spinal cord and brain cavity. So if it contains itself there, that's better. 
Um, although the problem is for, for that's of course where all of your nerve endings and your, of course your right. brain are. So that's, that's not a great place either, but once it gets, um, into the blood, it's, it's considered septic. And that's when it goes like every time your, your heart beats, it is like poison just being tossed all over your body. And so, uh, people, it's common for people to have amputations, fingers, toes, hands, legs, arms, because once it gets into the system, your body starts shutting down, your body recognizes there's something happening and it stops, um, the blood vessels in the extremities burst and your blood is not able to, to reach those extremities. So the core of your body is kind of in a survival mode. And, um, on my podcast, I've talked to, I don't know, many people, um, that have been affected by it, both people that have, uh, it's also not one in five, uh, don't survive it. So I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Hmm. Um, I've had lots of people on my podcast where we talk about their story and how it, how it pertains to mine. I've talked to parents that have, have lost children. It seems to strike most often in the teenage years. And generally the reason for that is there's a lot of communal living. It's right. you know, barracks or, uh, dorm rooms or places where there's a lot of people together. Um, but it really can hit anybody anytime. Um, I've tracked babies on like Instagram and social media that have in the hashtag stuff. I can find babies that are, you know, two days old. I know somebody that got it when he was in his forties and lost um, his legs below the knees as a result. It is super fast and it is not something you want to mess with. Well, and today there, there are vaccines for meningitis. As I mentioned, there's the uh, ACWY, and then there's a B. Um, there, it's a separate vaccine for those uh, one group of four and then one group of one or one by itself um, that are available for teens at age 11 and at age 16. So um, anybody that's got kids, I, um, it, there's a lot more advocacy about it and information available about it now where it's more known. Um, and it's pretty rare I'm, I'm, I'm work with a couple of groups. Um, one is called the national meningitis association, which is based in the U S and, uh, the other one is called Como, which is, stands for uh, confederation of meningitis organizations, C O M O. And it's a worldwide operation. And the cases in America anyway, have significantly declined in the last, uh, 15 or so years. Um, both vaccines have been produced within that time period. They came out in like 2006 and 2010. And that plus the wave of advocacy, and there's a lot of really, really good people that are doing a lot of good work to disseminate, uh, even to doctors and parents, kind of the, the early signs and to not overlook what what people often think is the flu or something like meningitis. Right. Is it variable in terms of how how it manifests like in terms of of the after effects of of people who who do make it through it uh is it kind of just you just never know what it's going to affect or is vision loss something that's that's a fairly common um after effect the the answer is it's it varies is, is the short answer um it happened to me about 25 years ago guys which is kind of crazy <laughs> time flies when you're having fun yeah but for me, um, I was pretty, you have some neurological damage related to it as well. In fact, most of the things that meningitis did with me are essentially invisible. 
which is, so I have this disability with the, with the vision thing, um, which is definitely, you know, a disability. Um, but as I mentioned, you, you probably wouldn't know it. I mean, there, there's situations, I mean, if you throw me a baseball or something, then we're, we're going to be in trouble. But, you know, even my neighbors who I've lived next to for the last seven or eight years, if some of them may not really know, and they see me driving my bike down the street. And I'm like, there's John. And then like, hey, wait a minute. I thought he couldn't see very well. You know, it's like, what's going on, you know? And so it it varies pretty dramatically. There's a lot of times, well, first of all, a lot of times people don't survive it. Uh, and then there's amputations when it gets into the bloodstream. I've heard of people having hearing loss, memory loss, other sort of brain or cognitive issues resulting from it. And then of course, nerve damage is, is right there too, because it's in the spinal cavity um, and organ failure. Um, it's, it, it really is that there's, those are probably the biggest ones that I've said. And, and sight is not, I've never met anybody else that has had meningitis and has sight loss the way that I did. But the way, the reason I have the sight loss for me is the what happened with me is the meningitis again it's in the brain and spinal cavity so what would happened was that it was inflamed in my brain and my spinal cavity and it the only way that they can accurately diagnose meningitis is with a spinal tap or what's called a lumbar puncture so luckily for me i was taken to the hospital by ambulance uh, of course i'm unconscious so they can't ask me anything my fraternity brother found me and of course wasn't expecting anything like that and they got me to the hospital and I was presenting at the hospital like somebody that had a drug overdose. Mm. Um, I had, it's, I won't get into the gory details, but I, I, that's what they originally thought. And so the doctors were kind of pressing my, my fraternity brother for, you know, like, just tell me what he's taken and we can, <laughs> you know, we can, we can give him to fix it or whatever. He's like, he's not taking anything that I know of, you know? And so the time is really of the essence there. Luckily for me, the hospital, I was out of school at college. I went to the university medical center, which was only about five miles or less from my apartment at the time. So I was, I got there fast and they, for, for a lot of, there's a lot of miraculous things that happened in my story. And one of them is that they performed the spinal tap when they did. And as soon as they do that, um, but they don't do that for everybody, right? That's not a normal, they don't just spinal tap anybody that's, you know, mm. coming in with a, with a, but I'm unconscious and I'm looking really bad. I don't have any of the purple spotting yet, which is a good thing because it's not in my blood system yet, but they do the spinal tap and then they pull out the fluid and it's like, oh yeah, that is meningitis. So what was the, what was the recovery like? Well, that was, that was fun. Yeah. So I mentioned I had a tube in my nose. I was on a ventilator. Um, I, you know, I was basically living on machines for eight days. And if you lay in bed for eight days, uh, things start to atrophy. Things happen. Um, I, upon waking up, in addition to all of the the damage that the meningitis had done, I I couldn't sit up in bed. Uh, again, I had some muscular issues. I had some paralysis in my face and some things. And the recovery was like learning how to swallow. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't, well, I couldn't smile. I couldn't, talking was tough. I just couldn't form words. Obviously I was having some sight issues. I was learning all these. I, it, it's hard to explain really. Um, as I said, the darkness was disorienting because I, I didn't obviously expect that or didn't really know anything like that. Luckily though, I'm young. 
my my parents were about uh, about five mi- uh, five hours away by car from my school and about an hour flight. So they were there pretty fast and they were there to help me through the process. I was in the hospital in the coma for eight days in the hospital for 21 days, but it was right about, it was right about um, the first, first of March uh, was the day I returned back. I went to my parents' house, back to my house. And that's where the real work started. Um, I was in a wheelchair for probably about a week out of the hospital and like things like getting up, eating, going to the bathroom, just your normal daily functions were, took a lot of energy. Um, but I think the youth there was on my side. And it turns out that I had a lot of, a lot of good friends nearby and my family and a lot of supporters to help me through. But I went to, I had to go to physical rehab or just motor skills, like standing up, sitting. I, I wore a, what's called a gate belt, which is something where it's kind of like a karate belt is probably the best way to describe it, where it's kind of a thick nylon belt where um, somebody would stand on each side of me as I tried to start walking. The uh, The muscles in my, uh, my I had what's called drop foot. So the my feet wouldn't stay perpendicular to my foot or to my um, uh, leg, right? So it was like my, my, my feet were flat basically. Right. So I had to like rework those muscles to kind of be able to stand and be able to sit and I mean, I was a mess. So the recovery was, I could talk to you about it probably for, for hours, but my mission was to get back to school. Um, so this is March 1st and school starts like, uh, the middle or so of August. So it was around six months or so of recovery and it was, it was hard work. It was a lot of physical stuff, a lot of mental stuff. I had some cognitive things I had to work through. I had, uh, um, I'm, I was, I've always been kind of a computer nerd, so I was really always very good on the computer, but I looked at the keys for typing. I used the old, the old hunt and peck method. Um, I was still faster than most people, but that's just the method that I used. And now that I can't see the keys, I can't type. So I went back to keyboarding over that summer to, to relearn that. And it was really just like relearning things. I mean, something like swallowing. Um, I couldn't drink anything. I had, there was these, all these, uh, <laughs> oh man, it's bad. It's bringing back some great memories. <laughs> um, I can remember all just a lot of times being thirsty. I had a feeding tube. So like I wasn't drinking stuff and my throat was always dry and they wanted, there was this thing, there's stuff called thicket where you put yes. this thickening agent in, <laughs> in liquids. And so there were, there were certain classifications like water was the thinnest and like pudding was probably the thickest. So I worked. Yeah. down from pudding to water over the course of a few months to be able to do those kind of things. Um, but I did make it back to school in August. And that's probably where I, I mean, I probably look like a deer in headlights there because as excited as I was to get back uh, to, you know, my so-called normal life away, you know, I, I, it was a sophomore as my spring. So it was like, I was about a year and a half into college. So I tasted this freedom of, you know, college and, and all that that implies and all the, the cool things that happened in those years. And, uh, but I was going back significantly different. So it was, it was like, okay, how, how are we going to do this? So 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of fascinated by, by that, that process um, because for everybody, it's, it's different. When they enter into the disability community for whatever reason, whether it's illness or it's something that's degenerative, whether it's fast or whether it's slow, everybody has their own sort of process of, of how to deal with that on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a physical level. It sounds to me like that going back to school was sort of the thing that you were able to sort of, it was like a goal that you had that you were able to sort of latch onto and sort of work towards. Do you, sign, do you kind of credit um, the, the recovery or at least part of the recovery to that? Yeah, I would say so. I, um, I didn't do it right. So don't necessarily take notes for what I did, right? But I am unique maybe not totally neat because people have, um, you know, like I don't have a degenerative disease or something where I, you know, I, I went to bed, I woke up and it's, this is it. Right. So that happens to, you know, that's not unusual. People have car wrecks or things where life just turns upside down in the, in the blink of an eye. But I think again, for me, the, the youth probably was in my favor um, for the rebound because I had a little, you know, more than sight stuff going on, but sight was, was front and center on, on everything. But, you know, you talk about the cycles or recovery and all the things of grief. I, I don't, I did not do that right either. Um, I, you know, I, when I went back to school, I didn't have any friends that they were blind or had visual impairment. I'd never met a blind person, you know, visual impairment was not anything I knew anything about. Um, the other neurological challenges, I, like I, I was one of one, in a campus of like 40,000 kids. So uh, it's, I think you're onto something where school was, was definitely a goal for me and it was a good carrot to hold in front of me to, you know, a goal to, to, to look at and achieve. And I think, you know, I, I don't know if it would have happened at a different time, what, what I would have used for that, but I'm, I'm a, I'm pretty big in faith um, in, in the Christian faith. So that carries me today and, and, and certainly carried me then, but equally important to that was my, my family, which I'm really close with then and, and still am. And then a, a really good group of friends. And then also there are a lot of resources, even then, even in 1998 for people with sight loss at the school that I was at, that I had never, you know, known anything about before. It was, like I'd walked by these buildings before and never knew really what was in some of them until I needed to know what was in some of them. And there was a wealth of things available that made the journey, um, you know, much easier. Uh, so I don't know, that's a combination of really of a lot of things and, and just this inner will that I had, because I, I certainly didn't like what had happened. I certainly wanted to be like I was before. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of friends that wanted me to be like that too, but I had, I had to go through all of those stages of grief and then denial and all that stuff before I could really kind of get a whole, you know, we go to college or people go to college to kind of learn about themselves, learn about the world, meet new people, experience those kind of things. And I certainly did all that. But in my version of that, I went a little deeper than most of the people, at least that I was hanging around with because of all those things that happened. So 
It is a very personal thing. And I, I don't know. I would even say that, you know, not necessarily, I mean, I don't know. Is there a right way to do it all? I mean, no. I, I, I don't know. And But it, what I find fascinating about that is that with, with so many people that we've talked to here on the podcast, um, they'll talk about going through that process and but they'll also like there's also this fascinating thing of it changes the the direction of their lives obviously and it's not it's a lot of times it's not necessarily a bad thing like don't get me wrong i'm not saying that oh this is great that that you know this happens but it there's also a part of it that is a transformative experience and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a negative. And so I'm always really drawn to people's stories who have taken something like that and um, they get on the other side of it and they find that that there's a whole new world waiting for them. And I kind of think that's kind of a beautiful thing. I agree with you. Yeah, that's true. It is certainly personal. And if you, if there were two people that this happened to with me, um, which is kind of surprising. It did. And meningitis is usually very uh, contagious. Uh, and so there's usually a, like sort of an outbreak kind of thing, but it, I was the only one that got it. And, and all the people that I'd come in contact with had to take these, uh, they were, they were given, they had to do a, uh, you, you ever heard of contact tracing? You guys heard of that mm-hmm. before? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So back in that day, we, uh, we did some contact tracing to find out who I'd come in contact with. I was in an intramural basketball game like the night before and just, you know, there's all these people had to come to the hospital and take this pill and uh, it, it didn't look good. And, but if, if there was somebody else that went through the same thing that I did, I would imagine our, our outcomes would have been different both physically and what happened to us and then kind of how we progressed. So it certainly is personal um, per, per everybody. And I think it's obviously pretty good with the the perseverance. You know, it teaches you a lot about yeah. about the world. And I did notice not not that I'm sort of you know cool or anything, but it kind of put cooled the jets on my college life. You know, the the kind of wild and crazier side of the college life because it right. it, it 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 I had to focus on different things. You know, like you know, of course we're there for school and stuff, but I had to learn a whole new learning method i was a I would, I would be an audible learner basically i didn't know braille i don't know braille today but um i certainly didn't know it within the first semester or two that i'm back so braille wasn't going to help me so just working through all those adaptations was it, it teaches you a lot about life and teaches you a lot about you know things that happen to people and and how to fight through things and and it it it'll build some calluses yeah i have to ask so when you were in your first year and this happened. What program were you taking? And is that the same program that you've, you finished or graduated from? Yeah, I did finish. Uh, I was in business. I went, I was going to go for marketing. So I started with that and finished with that, which, you know, there's not a whole lot of kids that uh, <laughs> start and finish with the same thing. And, and actually, you know, there's not a lot of kids that start and finish actually. Uh, my, <laughs> my, my roommates that I lived with, uh, my first roommate, he didn't finish. So, you know, that's the whole thing where you look to your left, look to your right kind of routine, you know, and one of you is not going to be here. So um, I did finish. It took me, I was out of school for, um, well, I wasn't ever technically out of school. I, f- I actually finished a class that semester. I did a class for my correspondence. And then I took, I think, two classes that fall semester. 
And I just had to get my learning style down. So like that entire year of 1998, I took three college classes. So I would have normally had taken like six or seven or maybe eight or something like that. So I lost some time there, but I graduated at um, uh, four and a half years. Once I kind of got my my jam down on how I was doing things, towards the end, I was taking like 18 hours or whatever, five or six classes or whatever. Right. So yeah. I figure, eventually figured out. It took me some time to, to work through it. Yeah, and the reason I ask is like Rob was saying, sometimes, you know, an, an incident like this changes your direction, right? Definitely, changes your yeah. focus. So, yep. yeah, good on you. It definitely changed my focus, but... Um, not as it pertained to what I was doing at school. Right. Um, a lot of focus with other things were in my life. And then again, cause I wasn't again, not like I was a party animal, but like, again, I didn't have any friends that were blind. Right. So it was, I had to kind of sort of, you know, make a new set of, I, I, all my friends remained the same, but like I had to kind of expand a little bit and, and meet some new people and do some things that were out of the norm for what my group of, of people normally would have done. Everybody was very supportive and it was all, you know, everything was hunky dory, but it just, I had to go through those things kind of on my own to right. figure that kind of stuff out on my own kind of thing. Yeah. And for the longest time, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, I felt like I wanted to talk about it, but when it came down to it, I, I really was kind of things I wanted to kind of hide. I mean, you talk about denial, like in class, I, I would certainly fake it. Um, especially with the sight thing. Um, I didn't know how to, you know, I was, I'm in denial. I'm in a class. There's like 300 kids. And I, 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 I could give you some, I guess, specific examples, but the, 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 the gist of it was I was, I was doing everything I could not to draw attention to myself and kind of do what I could to kind of get by initially. But it, as it turns out, that's pretty exhausting, really. Yep. And I had to kind of work through the denial of that initially to get to the point where I was, I was able to, you know, like eventually I got to know my professors really well, you know, not that that's a bad thing or a good thing, but like I, when I went to school before I, I school, you know, class was at nine, I get there at nine, it's over at 10, I leave at 10, right? Um, going forward, I had to like know all my professors because I had to meet them and say, hey, this is who I am. This is like, you know, I have this visual impairment. So I need to take my tests somewhere different and I need notes somehow different. So the cool thing was, is that I, and I still stay in contact with some of those professors from, from back in those days or at least after school anyway. So most of my friends had the same people, but they, they don't know them the way I do. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the podcast. Well, you know, the podcast is, is an interesting thing because as it turns out, I'm not much of a writer. I mean, I can write, you know, here and there, but I, I, for me to put words, meaningful words on a, on a screen, um, I just, I can't, I get this writer's block, but I felt like I had this pretty incredible story that I wanted to tell. And over the years I've, I've talked to other people that I would, you know, can you help me write this? Can we do this? And, and I've gotten close with a few people. Some people have just told me no, or some people have given me some advice on some things to do. And it was, we, we started a uh, family, um, I'm married and we have, we have kids and that started about eight years, nine years ago. And for, I guess that's probably the impetus for me really wanting to be kind of, um, I want them to kind of know the story and, and what happened and why their dad's as crazy as, as he is. Right. So at least give them some reason. This is kind of what happened to him. And 
eventually I, I started opening my network of people and, and sharing some things. And then I started the podcast, which is where this comes in. And that was about three years ago, about two and a half years ago, I guess. Now I'm only at like 80 something episodes, guys. I can't compete with, you know, the, uh, what, 3000 you guys have got here. But oh. I think for me, the, the podcast was a way for me to, again, I can't do much writing because I just can't. So let's just, I can talk. So microphone, um, recording thing, computer, boom, here we go. We're going to start talking about it. So that was kind of what I wanted to do out of the jump. And it really has been a tremendous vehicle for me to just, it's cathartic. And it was a way for me to connect with people that were similar to me. And, and I wanted to learn things from other people with sight loss. And I wanted to learn things from, you know, I, I had never met another person that had meningitis either. And as it turns out, there are quite a few of us out there. And that's when I found these meningitis organizations. It wasn't until after I started poking around through the podcast that I found these other people. I've made some new connections and done some work, done some ad advocacy work and help people kind of understand what meningitis is and do all those things. And through my podcast, I've met many people um, who have written books and done things. That's kind of one of the things I wanted to do is, is meet those kind of people. And you can't just like call up an author and be like, hey, tell me how you wrote your book, right? But you can have a podcast and find somebody that wrote a book and kind <laughs> of right. you know work through it that way, right? Yep. So right. I did I did make some connections with some people that have written books, some really incredible people. And through some of those connections, I found a writing partner a little over a year ago. And we are working on the, uh, the book. Um, we have made a tremendous amount of progress in the past 12 months. And I, my expectation is that it will be published in 2023. And um, the, the current plan is to have a, a book proposal done by, I would say, the middle of April of this year. And I want to I want to have a major publisher produce it because I think it's I think it's a great story. There's a there's a lot of intricacies into it and a lot of kind of bizarre and miraculous, crazy type things that happen that I think can probably help people. And how I worked through some of the things that I worked through, I think that is something that uh, people could find helpful as well. So that's 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 where I'm headed with it. Um, right now, nothing is definite, but we're hoping to uh, get it done as soon as we can. So we talk about all kinds of things on the podcast. I mean, it's it's a lot about sight loss. It's a lot of I wouldn't say it's a lot about meningitis, but it's part of some of the things that we do. Of course, I do have specific meningitis episodes. Um, with other people that have been affected by it. And then we do have some some fun. We've brewed cider. We've brewed beer. Um, we've played some games. We've we've um, we've made eggnog over last Christmas. You guys like eggnog? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we made, um, what's the guy's name? Alton Brown's uh, eggnog. So with a friend of mine who, who lives in Germany, and so we... We made eggnog and then we podcasted about it. We played some bad Christmas songs and <laughs> we just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's been super cathartic for me. And it's a way for me to kind of just get out there. And I kind of suppressed a lot of these stories for a really long time. And um, I'm really excited about not being, uh, you know, getting, getting these things out now. That's the great thing about podcasting is there's a community out there for everyone. Yeah. And if there isn't, at least to, as far as you know, you can just get in there and start looking around and you'll find it. Right. Or yeah. to find you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and the podcast platform, you know, is flexible enough. I mean, you can do those, you know, self-indulgent episodes. We do them all the time here. You know, sometimes we'll just be like, let's, <laughs> yeah. you know, generally Halloween or Christmas, yeah. you know, we'll just do something fun yeah. that's mainly for us. We have no idea if, you know, the audience actually likes it, but, uh, you know, it's fun for us and it's and it's a change up. So, but really, you know, the uh, I feel like that that learning part that you're talking about that is so important, at least for me personally, you know, we, Ryan and I talk a lot about, about, you know, the podcast being sort of a bit of a, a labor of love for us. Um, and, it, and it is really true. I mean, I think that everybody, anyone who podcasts, I think, gets something very personal out of that podcast. And it's probably different for everybody. Some people really appreciate the learning. For some people, it's, you know, it's building that community. Um, and for some people, like you said, you know, I'm sure that, you know, part of it is cathartic and, and, you know, helps you work through things by just talking on mic and talking to other people that have gone through something yeah, saying, similar. Just saying things out loud and um, getting them out there for other people to see. It kind of desensitizes my, me to some of these things that I, I felt oversensitive about that I really shouldn't have. So, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's what it's done for me. And re really, like, honestly, like, I, we try to look at every episode that we do. It's like somebody somewhere is going to get something out of this, yeah. um, whether it's a shared experience or, or a story that, you know, they're at the beginning of their journey and we're talking to somebody who has gone through it and they, you know, they, they feel better listening to somebody who's, who's gone through something like, like they are. So that's why I just, I love this, this whole community of, of podcasters and that's why we we tend to have a lot of podcasters um on the show because we really want to help spread the word and, and help connect people to the podcasts that they might really um you know get a lot of out of and, and enjoy well and like you were saying john your lived experience is not necessarily going to be the same as somebody else's right so you know if if everyone listens to your podcast, our podcast, who, whoever has a podcast that you might be interested in, you can take away something from that and everybody's lived experience is, a, is and can be a shared experience. You know, listening to your story, I lost my sight in a car accident, so boom, woke up three days later totally blind. So I have some similarities in my story okay. yeah. to, how to old, your how story. How old were you when that happened? 23. Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty similar age. Yeah. So I've got some similarities there, you know, the whole the whole journey, grief, anger, bitterness, so on and so forth. But, you know, I can still I, I can empathize and relate to that experience to a certain degree. You know, my yeah. my experience was different but sure. similar. And I think that's what people can take away from all of these stories is everybody's story has value. And that's what we try to get out to people. Yeah, well, that's what we do. Uh, the motto for our po my podcast is challenging belief and revealing abilities that make people extraordinary. So that's that's the people that I'm looking for. There are, really are a lot of extraordinary people out there. And the great thing about podcasting too is it's out there now, right? So it's yeah. recorded, and you you know this is released tomorrow or whenever it's released, but. It's out there now for the, you know, yeah, as right. long as you pay the uh, hosting fee, fees, I guess, <laughs> now it's out that's there. Right. So yeah, somebody finds it a year from now, a week from now, two years from now, whatever, it's still, you know, it's somewhat evergreen in that sense. And uh, people can find it on their own time and yeah, that's whatever right. they will. So it's, um, I, it's obviously tremendous. I'm, I'm a huge fan and 
for for people like me who just kind of like to talk um it's um it's a good i can't do a solo episode though i always have to talk to somebody so i'm kind <laughs> of envious of you guys with four oh. people maybe maybe that gets weird with you have too many voices but like I can't just fire it up and just start talking. I need um, I need somebody to bounce it off of. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because we feel like even with four of us, uh, like we would not be able to hold a conversation between it. We still need a guest even with four of us. So. Oh, for sure. Okay. We've had we've had six of us. I think six or seven at the <laughs> most, right? And that makes it easy because most of the time we can just sit back and let everybody else talk. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But but like I just I love meeting new people who are out there in the community and they're and doing remarkable things or even if they're not doing remarkable things just hearing other people's stories yeah yeah i think ordinary is fine too you know yeah. if you especially if you've got the card stacked against you if you're if you're ordinary then that's that's pretty good you know yeah yeah if, if you can go through these things in life and still be at least ordinary then that's pretty good but there are people that are out there just making things happen and that's oh. that's what i strive to be right i mean that's always what i've wanted to be but you know my I believe that the the filter through which we view our circumstances is 100% up to us. Yes. So yeah. we have the ability to, you know, think of my my new motto is don't wait. I waited way too long to start to start telling my story and sharing with people and and doing that. So I I do feel like we have the ability to change the filter that we see things through, either you know metaphorically or f physically see things. And I I'm done waiting. You know whether. Yeah. And that's what I tell people, whether you wake up tomorrow in, a, in a, your own bed, a hospital or the Ritz Carlton, it's time to start making your life into what you want. And there's just not time, you know, waiting. You guys have, you guys have DMVs out yep. there and yep. right. up north. Yeah. So you ever been in line at the DMV? Right. <laughs> but yeah. waiting for things to happen in life is like being in line at the DMV. Right. right. I mean, it's like your hands are in the hand, your life, your future is in the hands of the totally the apathetic. And it's just not a good way to do and be and i did that for long enough and i uh i'm tired even if it even if you take two <laughs> steps forward and one step back that's still progress and actually in texas we call it dancing that's that's the texas two-step so that's my oh, motto love it so um how often do you publish i try to do it about three times a month i okay. publish on tuesdays um probably three i have a bunch of we have a, a mess of kids and all kinds of things happening of course i have a day job and sure. life happens so the uh the podcast is on the side so my goal is uh about three times a month i've done four i've done one i don't think i've ever done none but i do you know travel or things happen with family and stuff where we gotta be out of pocket or whatever but i my goal is three a month so right and I'm I'm in the 80s, um, depending upon when this is was published. But my next my next goal is 100. I'll get to, what'd you say, 3,000? <laughs> I'll get there someday. God, what state someday, would we be in I'll, if we had 3,000 episodes, Ryan? God, uh, I'm, I'm I'll ten another. Our, what is that? Would that be another 30 years? Yeah, probably. Oof. Yeah, it could be fun. Man. It could be. Well, listen, we're having a good time. I mean, what the, you know, the amazing thing about doing the podcast for me, I, I won't speak for Ryan, but, you know, I'm constantly amazed at, you know, we're, we're 300, over 300 episodes in, and we haven't had any problems ever finding guests. I, like, yeah, there's I so many amazing too. people out there. Yeah, the, the extraordinary people do exist, and the maybe not, you know, the stories, they're out there. And sometimes people, you know, 
often I find oftentimes people want to tell the stories. Right. And if somebody has an like there is there ever a chance that the three of us would be chatting about something if it wasn't for a podcast? Like, right? I mean, just yeah. forget about the geographic differences between us, but I don't I don't know, right? It's it's one of those weird things. Like I said, if I want to learn how to write a book or learn how learn how to do something, I can't just call somebody and you know, say, teach me how to do this. But if I, if I want to learn something, I can get them on podcasts and I can kind of learn oh, yeah. you know, through those things and, and other people can kind of assimilate that information. And, uh, yeah. I just, I'm just recently had a musician on my, my show named Mark Arelli, who's just tremendous. Yeah. I saw and, that. I'm going to uh, poach him. <laughs> he, he's, he's awesome, man. He is so cool. And I had, I had not heard of him before. He's not new uh to the music world and uh he was just releasing a new album and and i listened to i I love it it's a great album it's a great record he's got he's got rp at kind of at the beginning stages so that was kind of the reason that we started talking but really i'm a huge music dork if you could see behind me there's like hundreds of cds on the (laughs) wall back here i just like to listen and collect music and so we we had a good chat about some music stuff and lyric stuff and you know, the world is it really, you can, lots of people want to talk. Lots of people want, not all of it's interesting, of course, but <laughs> um, there are people that can find things interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, you know, that's one of the great things about it. I love, I love the community and uh, I, I just, I love meeting people in it. And in a way, like, I'm really grateful that, that this podcast of ours is is in my life because it's you know it given me a lot of opportunities to meet a lot of people that never would have met before and learn a lot of things that i never would have known before so so other than the possibility of a book coming out this year what else is happening next well i'm going to just correct you there and say it's not a possibility it's happening all so right that's my, that's my will and my optimism and all that hard-headedness of me all right what else is happening? There's nothing interesting happening in my life besides that. <laughs> and the podcast. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That's familiar. That's why sometimes when we banter at the beginning of the episode, it's a challenge because we're just like, I don't know. This is this is it. This is a highlight of my week. Will you come back when the book is announced? Sure will. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's true. I sure will. And, we'll and then we can have it. you on as a as an author. An author. Yeah, you can put yeah. the author next to my name now. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, but you know sure. something else too. We talked about the. You know, I mentioned. I meant to mention this off the bat. I got. I got distracted by the cowbell. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you guys are down with OPP. Also, you know, I love being on other people's podcasts. So that's a cool thing too. You know, there's a lot of people that podcast, and it's good when we get together. We get cross. You know. Cross I, exactly contamination of our audiences and things happen and yes yep you know so i don't know maybe you guys should be on the ambiguously blind i don't know if i can handle four guests though well it's okay we can <laughs> we i can got all kind up. of audio levels and i got you know i got i got levels and uh channels and what's it called uh not channels but uh you know sources and i don't, I don't have enough I, I can handle two or three nope. i don't think i can handle four no you have to promise to come back on and anytime and and listen i will happily come on the ambiguously blind podcast just don't ask me to spell it <laughs> yeah so it's uh, ambiguously blind and it's so it's ambiguously blind.com but i again it's it's a spell check thing and i've, I've i can't tell you how many times i've spelled it wrong so i've also got amblind.com so oh, a-m-b-l-i-n-d.com so it's like a shortened version plus it's like literally amblind and it's all kinds of you know it's, it's homonym and it's you know trying to be like austin powers 
So we'll grab some double doubles and um, maybe yeah. a hockey stick and <laughs> some maple it. syrup and have some fun. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, yeah, absolutely, 100%. For sure. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking some time out of your evening and talking with us. We really appreciate it. Best of luck with the book uh, and best of luck with the podcast. Keep up the great work because, um, you know, even just looking at the episodes, you've talked to so many amazing people and um, you're, you're doing some great work out there. So keep it up. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Ryan. It's been fun. No problem. And here's a bonus cowbell for you. Yes. <laughs> I will sleep well tonight. Take it and put it in the cowbell bank. That's right. All right, John. Thank right, you so cool, much sir. for taking time out of your evening. Yeah, you guys and... too. Good to chat with you. Nice to meet you. Okay. Yeah. okay sir. Take See care. You. Yep. Take care. Bye. 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 Uh, what a good guy. Absolutely. Uh, I just love it. I just love it. I love talking to other podcasters. Hopefully the audience doesn't mind. It's a little bit self-indulgent that we talk with other podcasters. Yeah, but, but what again, a, it's lived experience that, you know, we get story. to share with people. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I love it. And I would highly recommend uh, everybody going, checking out the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Um, just go to www.amblind.com instead of trying to spell ambiguously. That's, <laughs> so you made the same mistake as, as we did pulled the trigger on the name before he really thought it through. Yeah. You know, I still have an email in my drafts folder about rebranding AT banter. I know, but it's too late. There's know. no point. Nah, it's probably not. It's We're starting our eighth year this year, right? <sighs> so there's no point. People know who AT banter is. Yeah, I guess not enough people. Well, that's why we keep fighting the good fight. Yeah, that's true. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I love, the amount of guests that he's had and there's so many interesting people here what what's really cool is we've talked to chad from hindsight is 20 over 200 yeah we've talked to alexis from stump kitchen we talked to john we've talked to so many other podcasters mm -hmm. who have guests that we've never had yeah which goes to show you how large this community is how yep. untapped the knowledge and experiences are of this community yeah well, it's true, and it, but it's also cool looking at his at his guest list and and seeing names that we recognize, right? right? Like that's really cool too. Like, oh yeah, Thomas Reed, you know, um, from Read My Mind, and uh, you know Stephanie McCoy from um, Bold Blind Beauty, right. Sam Seavey, you know, like all these. It's like yeah, this is it's great. It's great that everybody's like talking to each other and yeah. coming on each other's show, and um, it just it warms my heart. You know what's what's actually terrifying about that story too is meningitis is really scary. I was never never been never knew anything about meningitis, right. but after after today's show, like that's that is truly terrifying. What's you know I I, I, I was kind of in my mind relating it to COVID because yeah. he was saying how um, feels like the flu. Well, not just that, but how. Um, they had to do the contact tracing how yeah. um sure. what's the word i'm looking for i guess that's just basically how infectious contagious? it is yeah how contagious how contagious that's the word so and you know they, they did the contact tracing and you know there may have been others that had it but you know he didn't really say there was which is phenomenal and it's kind of like covid right there were people who didn't get covid and there were hundreds of thousands that died yeah. It's just, it's such a bizarre thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. 
Like there's just um, no rhyme, no reason. But you know, but that, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of frustrating, and I'm sure that you know, we, we honestly we could have talked to John for like two hours easily because oh, easily. there's so much there's so much more to talk to him about. But especially like advocacy for meningitis must be kind of. Um, frustrating as well because I feel like not a lot of people know anything about meningitis. They don't know what the symptoms are. They don't know right. anything, even how you get it. Because certainly before today, I didn't. And um, it, this is a really serious condition that can, you know, like you said, one out of five people die. Well, and so, vaccines are only good for those that are 11 or older. Yeah, I think is what he said as well. So like, yeah, what is, so, there's yeah, nothing it's, for it's these scary. kids and infants, toddlers, like. It's just a death sentence. It's just wow. crazy. Yeah, it's so scary, right? So absolutely. Um, you know that this again as his the advocacy work that he's doing and spreading awareness of it, I think is is really important as well. So, but uh, man, if I ever see any any of my extremities turning purple, I'm freaking out. <laughs> Although luckily you can't. I don't think you can uh, mistake that for anything else. Like COVID's scary because you could you know you could just have a cold. Yes. And you you could that's symptoms of could be yeah. symptoms of covid uh but i feel like if something turns purple on you there's not a lot of other things that that's always a warning sign like well but keep in mind my fingers go purple he he didn't even have the rash he was found on the floor of his yeah, dorm that's true that's right true. and woke yeah, up in the true. hospital there was no oh. rash so yeah he just said he felt kind of sickish kind of fluish but not it was, yeah. wasn't really the flu and if it wasn't for the university medical center actually doing the spinal tap yeah that's right he would have died yeah that's right somebody Ugh. somebody or higher power whatever you want to call it intervened and said we we should do a spinal tap just to yeah. eliminate the possibility of meningitis right Man, that's so whoever scary. thought of that saved his life yep yeah yeah and talk about bro for life the guy his his fraternity brother that found him like wow yeah so that's somebody you don't lose lose uh, contact with after university that's a that's a bro for life yeah you would hope so but uh yeah well there you go there you go we learned we learned some new stuff we met a nice guy it's been a successful episode yay another one in the bag that's right 346 i think what, what are we up to hold on let me check them let me check my log oh no sorry this is this is gonna be 326 yeah, I'm, I'm a little ahead of myself. My goal is to get to 500. And then what? I don't know yet. <laughs> 500? Okay, yeah. so wait. So well, that's... It's yeah, probably another two years. That's yeah, at least another two years. So 10 years. <sighs> 10 years. Wow, that's going to be crazy. Isn't Can you it? imagine? We have a 10-year-old we'll podcast? Eight, May 16th, we'll be starting our eighth, eighth season. <sighs> eighth year. We got we to gotta do something really good for our anniversary this year. Like let's do something. Let's plan something cool. Like not that we talk about our, planning it, and it never happens no, no, no. until like, the weeks before. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we're gonna do something cool. I don't know. Maybe we can maybe we can convince Steve to fly uh, Liz up here. Well, it's only two months away, so you know, because she likes to travel. She does. Get her up here. Get her up here and do a live show. Put a collection together. I don't know how hard it is to fly somebody from North Carolina oh, she to Vancouver. Could, she's it's probably from, a couple hundred bucks. She's flying from the U.S. She can get like $99 airfares. Yeah, that's true. She's, Load her on one of those cheap down there. Value, value airlines. That's right. You know, put rubber band air with, or something. Yeah. Put her in the back with the chickens and <laughs> fly her out. Yep. 
Anyways, uh, all right. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us at atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us a line, if they so desire, at cowbell at atbanter.com. And they can still find us on Facebook and on Twitter. And I guess they can still find us on Instagram. And yep. they can find us on Mastodon if they so choose. Sure. They can. We're there. You, you know, I don't know I don't know about if you caught this vibe or not, or maybe it's just me, but I th- I think John was a little bit jealous of the pod of the uh, cowbell. <laughs> I think he kinda wished he had a thought of that. Well, keep in mind though, he's in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Big hats, cowboy boots, it's true. Belt buckles. It's cattle country. It's true. Well, maybe not Dallas, but everything's bigger in Dallas. So yeah, maybe he should have should have thought yeah. of the cowbell. Too bad, John. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. This, uh, we we were we were to the we came to the party really early eight years ago, and we and actually we have to credit Steve for that, anyways, because he's the one that just showed up one day with a with a cowbell. Yeah, I don't remember that, but I like it. It's a little, yeah, I do. I totally remember. Okay, remember that day? I was just like, what the hell is this? Why do we have this? <laughs> what are we doing with this? We got eight years under our belt and a cowbell. That's no, all we... not eight years yet. We're starting our eighth year in May. Because oh, I always get this confused. Seven yeah. years. Whatever. 2016 of May we started. Yeah, that's right. Man. Crazy. Okay, that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to John for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.